You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. The beautiful thing about podcasting is that you can podcast from anywhere, including a hotel bed. I, I, I'm not wearing a robe, but I wish I wish I was. There are actually robes in the cupboard. Yeah. We love a hotel robe. Welcome to the Bride Chiller Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Rich, wearing a robe and drinking a... Uh, what, Cognac? What is... No. What, what is the dude drink? Oh, a white Russian. A white... I, I love a white Russian. Yeah, I know you do. This is uh, the, the dude from the Big Lebowski, one of our favourite Cohen brothers. Films. This is the Bride Chiller Podcast, episode 335. We are doing Bride Chiller Q&A, wedding planning Q&A. I feel like you have more than 335 episodes because didn't you have the um, those Friday ones? Like yeah, the... this is, I've added them all up. Are you sure? Would you want to question me? Apparently I am. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 335, Wedding Planning Q&A, and uh, you have been sending me your wonderful voice messages and emails. And Rich and I, Rich is in the bed, so he's sort of reluctantly, not reluctantly, but you're in it now. It It's more that you've brought the podcast to me. That's and, the best. And, and you know, I'm, I'm quite comfortable, so I'm not going to move away from you. <laughs> Because I'm in the bed, but you've brought it here, so I, I'm kind of in. Oh God, <laughs> let's force him. Will we answer your wedding planning questions? Lots of voicemails to get through today, but wanted to start off by saying thank you to uh, all the members of the Bride Chiller community. It's been a really great week in the community. So many posts. I wish I could keep up with them all, but we really. You know, just love to see everyone helping each other out. And this episode is almost like an extension of the Bride Chiller community because a lot of the questions that people ask in voice messages, they also go and pop them on the community and people can give their feedback. And here's the thing. Please remember, all advice is just advice. These are just opinions. You don't have to do what we say. No, I'm I'm quite stupid, really, so don't, <laughs> don't listen to anything I say. As he uh, is... You know, Rich is a coder. He's an architect in the day. You're not a wedding planning person, but you are very intelligent. I'm glad I married you. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> All right. Here is the first question from a lovely bride chiller called Megan. Hi, Alicia. My name is Megan, and I'm marrying my fiancé, Abraham, in just over a year. Um, first of all, I want to say I love the podcast. I'm so excited about it. I found it through my best friend and maid of honor, Bethany. Um, who ironically met her fiancé around the same time that I met mine, and we're actually getting married almost two months apart. So we are each other's maids of honor, and um, we get to go through this journey together. My first question is about this. Um, she, in general, is super on top of it, a way better you know, friend than me in a lot of respects. Um, she's just a great person. And I want to know... Um, she has sent me like, you know, a cute bridesmaid poem. I haven't even asked her yet to be my maid of honor, but I'm pretty sure she will be. Um, she has sent me like, you know, I'm going to get bridesmaid gifts and all this stuff. And I'm just a little overwhelmed about how to show my appreciation for her. Um, she's a really great planner and I am struggling massively even to get started. So, um, I guess, first of all, Bethany, if you're listening, thank you so much for showing me this podcast and you're a great friend. I just don't really know how to express that. 
And my second question is about finding a venue. I actually live in D.C., which is extremely expensive, and I keep filling out forms and getting back that, you know, the venue is about $26,000. So I just wanted to know what the average price was for a venue, if there is one, and what are some good strategies to find one. Thank you so much. Bye. Megan, here's the thing. We all do things differently. Your relationship with Bethany sounds fantastic, and the fact that you're going through a similar situation at the same time is incredibly helpful. I think the fact that you also potentially are at different stages of planning as in she's organized, she gets stuff done. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be organized and get stuff done down the track. And also, I don't think all this, these, you know, these gifts and all this extra stuff to will you be my bridesmaid, whatever, isn't absolutely necessary. I'm not dissing people that are doing it, but I don't necessarily think that it's vital. And interestingly, we're just going through the final, what are we calling it? The final draft of the Maid Chiller Manual. And oh, I talk yes. a lot, this is the Bridesmaid book that's coming up. I talk a lot in that about, you know, I'm talking to the Maid Chillers and just sort of saying that there's a lot of over-gifting, there's a lot of over-organising of things. And I think the best thing is that you communicate and you know what each other's expectations are of the event and what you want them to do to help you out. Just get her a six-pack. A six-pack of beer. A six-pack of beer. Just get her a six-pack of a favourite. Maybe not a favourite, but maybe <laughs> one that's on special. And just don't tell her. I don't know if you're very helpful at all in this situation. So I think my point is that sometimes, especially when you're doing the same thing, you're both planning a wedding, people do things differently. And one of the biggest bits of feedback when I asked about um, what people would like me to feature in the Made Chiller manual, what information, people were saying, hey, if your friend's also getting married at the same time, can you write a chapter about how we all make different decisions and we all go through the process, even if we're doing it together, that potentially things are going to be done at different times. And just because you're doing it one way doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's just good for you. The second question, venues. Oh, this is a very tricky one to answer because literally every town, city, place has a different different point of what is reasonable and what is not. You're getting married in a city, which can sometimes make things more expensive and Really, I would suggest hitting up uh, the Bridechiller community, forums, Reddit is also pretty good for this stuff, finding local wedding discussion groups and really asking people for their honest um, opinions and their quotes that they've received from venues to try and get a little bit of a cheeky median because I do think if you can figure out what an average is and how many people, you know, what people are paying, you can figure out what's reasonable. It's also just about starting a spreadsheet, getting the quotes when people actually get back to you. I know it can be very frustrating. And then jumping back and sort of figuring out what, you know, how it all rolls. Also, it depends completely on what they're including in the package. If it's an all-inclusive, like we discussed a couple of episodes ago, you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck and they will do a lot more for you. If you are booking a venue only and that's just turning up and bringing everything with you, of course, the price is going to differ. So it's a very difficult question to answer, but I do think just connecting with the local community, your 
your contacts, talking to other vendors as well, you might be able to get a bit more of an idea of what you're in for because it can be, you know, the sticker shock of venues, especially when you're just starting out, can be awful and uh, it's really just about doing your research and making sure you know what's good and what you find reasonable as well because, yeah, 20 grand, if you weren't expecting to spend 20 grand, yikes. Thank you, Megan, and so glad that Bethany has recommended the Bride Chiller podcast and community. It's great to have you here. Now, the next voice message isn't a question. It's more of a, a quick story from Bride Chiller Charlie. You'll hear she's got an English accent. I love it. And I wanted to include this in the episode because it really annoyed me, and I wanted you to be annoyed too. Bride Chiller Charlie has been very sensible with her response here, but I wanted to punch a wall on behalf of her. Uh, you will hear her story about purchasing a wedding dress and picking it up. Spoiler alert, she didn't pick up the dress that she'd purchased, but she's being very, very calm, uh, and uh, I want to call the store myself and give them what's for. This is a little um, body image weight loss story um, about my wedding dress. So I chose my wedding dress um, at the shop, tried a sample. It fit really well, so I was pretty stoked and um went to order it they did my measurements and the lady in the shop was like oh you're between sizes but don't worry I'll order the right size for you no stress I'll get it sorted so I kind of went along with it It was like excellent um tick off the list all done and then I a couple of weeks ago went to go and pick well not pick up the dress like see the dress for the first time and try it on and um it was a bit tight and I hadn't like put on any weight it was the same size I had been before and I wasn't intending on having to lose any weight for the wedding it wasn't on my list of priorities and so I said to the lady oh this feels kind of tight tighter than before and she said oh yeah I ordered the smaller size because I assumed you'd lose weight (laughs) she was like oh cool no not wasn't something I was wanting to do um so now I'm in a situation with it where I've got a dress that yeah I can get in it but it's tighter than I wanted it to be I don't feel as comfortable and um that really pissed me off because I shouldn't have to lose weight that's not my priority and I thought that was kind of bullshit um so I'm just going to buy a mannequin basically and stretch the shit out of this dress because I'd rather that than have to try and lose weight when you know what I don't think I need to I'm happy as I am See what I mean about her being calm? I would have gone absolutely nutso if I'd turned up and a dress didn't fit because they decided you might lose weight, so they made it smaller. I mean, that's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? That's ridiculous. I just feel like if you purchase something and you pay that much money and you go along and you have a fitting, who are this, who's the shop owner to decide that oh, she's probably going to lose weight, so I'll make it a bit smaller? Bunch of jerks, that's who. Yeah, I, I think actually Charlie has is very much in her right to go back and, well, ask them to remake the dress or at least alter it. I think you are being very calm and lovely, Charlie, for saying that you'll put it on a mannequin and stretch the shit out of it, as you said. But well done you for being maintaining your chill and being very reasonable because I do think that they have completely violated your contract, to be honest. And you are, yeah, good on you. Just good on you. Bravo, chillers for getting shit done. 
Hello, Alicia, and all of the other wonderful bride chillas out there. Uh, my name is Hannah, and I'm getting married in a couple of months uh, in September 2018 in New Jersey. Um, and I have a big, wonderful, loving Jewish family emphasis on big. Uh, our wedding invite list right now is about 430 guests, uh, which will probably end up being a head count of about 350 on the actual day. Um, and yes, that is crazy. Uh, whenever I say that number to people, they sort of stare at me like a deer in headlights, and I wonder if I've done made a horrible mistake. Um, I come from a theatrical background, and I've done a bunch of stage management in the past. So, you know, I, I'm pretty organized, and I've got all my ducks in a row, and I'm feeling pretty good about the logistics. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of resources out there about a big wedding. Um, our venue is a, a hotel, and they actually host a lot of South Asian weddings. So they're used to weddings of up to 600 guests. Um, so it's not a question of us all fitting in the room or them feeding us all. Um, but I would love to hear any advice you might have or any other bride chillas might have about any special things that I should be paying attention to with a wedding of this scale. <laughs> um, your podcast is great. I love you so much. And uh, I hope you're doing well. Happy days. Well, firstly, Hannah, Muzzletoff. This is very exciting. And that's a lot of people. I'm also doing that. That's a lot of people. But I also realize that culturally, um, Jewish weddings can be huge. And I think it's fantastic that you've selected a hotel that is in the zone of catering and managing that sort of amount of people. I think looking, and this is a great topic, by the way, and I feel like this could be a whole other episode, and I will certainly put it on the list to explore a little bit further and try and find a guest that might be able to really give some proper feedback, I would say. But I just wanted to hit a couple of points about organization. I'm assuming that the hotel are providing you with a coordinator. And if they aren't, I would highly suggest that you hire someone that has had experience in just getting that amount of people, that group of people together and thinking about the the coordination aspects such as if you're moving from room to room, if you're trying to make sure people arrive on time, just little tips that they might be able to help you manage that amount of people. Now, really, I suppose, as you said, if the hotel knows how to cater, you know, the food aspect of it is a really big factor. And obviously, they have experience doing that with, as you said, Southeast Asian weddings. They are very, uh, you know, <laughs> they have a lot of different um food going on in those weddings. I know they can go for days and days as well. So it's great that you've picked a venue that's very experienced in catering for that amount of people. I also think it's a little bit about the actual, the, the functionality of the day. If you're moving people from room to room, if you're having the service somewhere else, just thinking about the logistics and, and timing of the day and that perhaps things will be a little bit slower because you are moving, you know, a lot more people at once. Also, thinking about your time on the day and experiencing as much as you can as a couple. Of course, when you've got 50 people, and Rich and I had 50 people at our wedding, and I still feel quite exhausted about having to press the flesh with all of those people and you wanted to get enough time with them. Being realistic and thinking about your day, you, you, you know, you're probably not going to have one-on-one -on -one time with 350 people, but it's a matter of thinking about, Who's important to see and just having that, that, I don't know, what would you call, when people line up and you meet and greet people, what's that called? 
Meet and greet. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know what I'm saying? When people line yeah. up and you, yeah. you meet and greet people, we're just calling it meet and greet. Meet and greet, yeah. yeah. Back to me. I would love to hear from the Bride Chiller community. If there's anyone in the community, I'm sure there would be actually a bunch of weddings that are over 200 people. It'd be great to hear from you about what, what specific details that you've had to change or alter or at least increase time to make sure that you get the coverage that you want and see the right people, the right people, meet your guests and make sure that you're just uh, being able to time manage correctly. This is Bride Chiller, episode 335, Wedding Planning Q&A. If you have a very special question uh, or if you just like like Charlie earlier on, just wanted to tell a story, if something you've experienced you think might help people or you just want to have a bit of a bitch about uh, the process, we are very open to hearing from you. So if you would like to share your questions, all you need to do is visit thebridechiller.com. You can simply record a message for me and email it to me or uh, when you visit the website, you'll see there's a link that you can click and record via a very easy-to-use desktop mobile platform called SpeakPipe, which will record a short message. Bride Chiller Lara got in touch and she sent me an email, which I thought it would be nice to share with you before the break. She says, uh, love the Bride Chiller podcast. That's nice. That's very nice of her. Someone's doing something outside if you can hear it. That's what you do. You're recording a podcast in a, in a hotel. There will be trucks outside the door. She says, thanks for being so thorough, hilarious and helpful. I got engaged on July 15 and have binge listened most of the episodes since. Woo! That's a fair effort, but um, quite a lot of people actually say they do that. It's a lot of me for you. Uh, <laughs> So she says, everything has been so lovely and stress-free in my wedding planning until a couple of days ago. Now I'm in an extremely sticky situation. My fiancé asked an old friend to be a groomsman. Then we had spent a day with this friend and his fiancé. Over the course of a few hours, there were several disturbing things this woman did. She used bigoted language, specifically, oh, can I use this word? I don't want to use it. She, it's, a, it's a bad thing, she says, about gay people and regularly uses terrible insults about disabled people. I found out that she's even heard using the N-word to describe black people. Oh, my God. On a subway, she moved over when she noticed a black woman was beside her and made disgusting sounds when wiping her arm off dramatically on her fiancé's leg. I was horrified. Is this for real? Fuck. While my fiancé was also horrified, he didn't immediately come to the same conclusion that I did, which is that this woman cannot be anywhere near our wedding. I want to make sure she knows that she's uninvited, and I want to tell her why. As uncomfortable as it will be, especially considering this couple goes to our gym, three exclamation marks, I appreciate that, it's clear to me that her degree of hateful bigotry has no business being anywhere near the people we most dearly love. Our guests will include members of the LGBT community, people with LGBTQ sons, daughters, siblings, and people of color. My five-year-old daughter will also be there. When I told him my strong feelings, he was very supporting and loving, but I could tell that he's overwhelmed and with the heaviness of the situation, 
He hasn't asked me to reconsider. He's just taking a couple of days to figure out the best way to talk to his friend about their issues. My brother has counseled me to consider allowing my fiancé to prioritise the friendship with his groomsmen over the wish to not have her in attendance. His argument is that friendship is important and one of the most important values of friendship is not to abandon them when they make serious mistakes, <laughs> like choosing to marry a homophobic racist, for instance. Obviously, uninviting her would alienate my fiancé's friend and groomsmen as well. On the other hand, my sister thinks I'm absolutely in the right and agrees that we have a responsibility to do the uncomfortable thing in the face of obvious and hateful bigotry. We have to figure this out soon as the other couple's wedding is in a couple of weeks and we're both invited. My fiancé is a groomsman at their wedding too. I feel strongly that I should not attend their wedding. I also think it would be best to tell them ASAP that I won't be there to help them and plan. Do you think I'm being too harsh in putting my fiancé in this difficult position? What would a bride chiller do? Thank you so much. Richard. Oh, you're going to throw that over to me, are you? Yeah, terrific. Jesus. Um, yeah. All right. What I would say is all of those things are awful and hateful. I would want to uh, – what would I want to do? I'd want to confirm that she genuinely thought that and she wasn't just saying things – in jest or as a really poor joke because she thought that's what other people wanted to, to hear for whatever silly reason. Yep. I would try and ascertain, does she genuinely think those things? If she does, fine. Cut a, you know, don't go to their wedding. Don't invite her to your wedding. I think that's absolutely right because those sorts of views should not be tolerated. Um, but I would give her the chance to... Uh, see whether those views are genuinely her views or not. Because there are a, a lot of people that say this sort of stuff and don't realise how hurtful it is. And sometimes I think if you confront people in a way that's open-minded and say, look, um, this is this the way that you were talking I, I found really challenging and hurtful and I'm trying to understand where you're coming from but it's pretty difficult when it feels like there's a lot of animosity towards minority groups and I found it pretty offensive. There's and there's no need to say that stuff. No one gains or wins by speaking in that manner. And I don't think it should be tolerated. No. Obviously. I think fundamentally you have to uh, have a conversation with her because if you do you know, cut things off or don't attend their wedding or whatever, they will be left wondering why. And I don't think it's right to leave them guessing as to why yeah, things agreed. happened that way. Especially for the sake of the groomsmen as well. Yeah. That feels unfair. Yeah. So I think if you're going to confront, be calm, try and just go into it with the perspective of saying, "We, re I really want to understand why you are speaking this way. It doesn't really connect with anything that I believe in and we were quite offended and we want to give you a chance to, don't say explain yourself, but to, you know, communicate why you feel this way. And if she is generally a homophobic, bigoted racist, that sucks to be her and you don't need her in your life. Correct. The end. Oh. That was easy. God, knocked it out of the park. Line up the next one.
take a short break. Jesus, only a long break. <laughs> Give me some chocolate. There will be more of the Bride Chiller oh, podcast. Oh, <laughs> After oh. this break. Hi, Alicia. This is Anna in Denver, Colorado. I'm looking for some advice from you as to how to stay true to decisions that we've already made during this wedding planning process. We're just a couple of months away from our September wedding, and I'm starting to question a choice that I made early on. My parents were divorced when I was 11, and my mom got remarried when I was 12. My stepdad was a huge part of my childhood and growing up and has been an enormously supportive parent in my life. I decided pretty early on that my mom and my stepdad would walk me down the aisle and that I would do a father-daughter dance with my dad. Just makes more sense with the playfulness and casualness of our relationship that I would dance with him and that he wouldn't be the one to walk me down the aisle. But I'm starting to really question that. I don't want there to be any hurt feelings. I'm trying really hard to throw all the expectations that family members have in the fuck it bucket, but I also just want to make sure that it's a special moment for everybody and that they all appreciate it. So I'm questioning that decision and I really don't want to be, I just want to move forward with my decisions and my choices and focus on all the remaining stuff that we need to get done. Uh, Thank you so much and happy days. Thank you, Anna, for a lovely message and uh, interesting question about sticking with your decisions. I know when it comes to wedding planning, there's a lot of different decisions to make and sometimes you have to make them very quickly and then you've got six to eight months or longer <laughs> for some people to think, oh, was that the right decision? Should we have made that decision? Are we at the right venue? Are we spending too much money? And then you go backtracking and the actual panic about the decisions that have already been made that you can't change or you can change but you don't know what to do can be more stressful than making the original decision in the first place. So I think that can be a bit of a factor for everyone uh, regarding just making sure you're staying true to what you've decided and then when people get in your ear it can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. What do you, well, You're a pretty good decision maker Rich, you sort of get to the point. Yeah, I, I always carry a magic eight ball with me. <laughs> And so if I ever need to decide something, you know, what to eat for lunch or whatever, Magic 8 Ball just does it. You just, is marrying me? Magic 8 Ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got a lot to be thankful for, young lady. <laughs> You're an idiot. No, I, I, look, no, I just put that down. No. No, I, I think, uh, you know, I don't know uh, these people, but. Anna. Anna, but uh, go with your gut. I think you were probably right first time around. Yeah, I do too. I, I'm a big believer in, unless you've been coerced or you feel uncomfortable with the original decision, I'm a big believer in just sticking with your guns and also the fact that this has now come back to sort of not haunt you, but it's bothering you because, you know, you, you're saying to question it, I think is actually probably causing you more stress than the initial decision. Absolutely. And I think... As long as all the people involved know how much you care about them, yeah. I don't think it really matters who does what. I agree. And when. I think it's lovely that you all seem to be in each other's lives and you've got good vibes. And I think when I hear these stories and you hear all this, you know, the shit shows that other families go through and people are being, I'm not coming if I don't, if I don't walk you down the aisle or if I do, you know, there's all this. Oh, well, that, that is quite reasonable. <laughs> But you do, you know, obviously 
you seem very level-minded and level-headed and level. Thank you. I got there. Whoa, bitchy. Level-minded is a new way to say level-headed. I'm rethinking that magic eight ball. Well, too late. You made that decision (laughs) and it's done. You seem very calm and I think it's not worth backtracking on decisions that actually seem to, you know, you're not hurting anyone. People be, people be happy. People be happy. I professional. <laughs> wow. I'm really happy. Good thing this podcast is free. <laughs> it's It's been a while since Rich has co-hosted, and I use it very loosely because he's <laughs> literally just sharing a bed. We have our clothes on, as I've said before, but he actually, I will say, he's sitting here working on the Madchilla manual design because we have to send it off to the printer. To get a test print. Yeah, to make sure it's... Because I write for live. <laughs> Need to check. Must test. You've got something in your teeth. Oh, all right, mate. It's a podcast. It's not a TV show. No yeah. one knows. Next question. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much for uh, listening and contributing. I know that you're a great member of our community, and I very much appreciate it. We love you. Sounded creepy. That, that sounded creepy. you got to cut that out. Fix that in post. Bright chiller, Naya. I think Naya, Rich just shoved a bunch of chocolate in his mouth. Or oh, a mouthful of chocolate. We're in Switzerland. In um, Germany. Oh. <laughs> Not in Switzerland, we're in Germany. <laughs> Fucking hell. Let me just tell you before we get to Naya, we are in, well, we're technically in Germany. <laughs> There's no technically about it. We're in Germany. It's not a technicality. But the border to Switzerland is just down the street. It's like just over there. Yeah. And... We have, we're in Switzerland to see some buildings because Rich is an architect and that's what we do. But some of them are in Germany. Well, actually, some are in Germany yesterday and on Monday they're in France. Basel is where we are sort of visiting, but Basel in Switzerland is fucking expensive. Anyone listening in Basel, I salute you. You're probably a gazillionaire because everything just costs a fortune. But if, love you, Basel. But if you stay in Germany, just down the road, we caught a bus to Basel for 20 minutes. This is not. This has got nothing to do with anything. I'm this just telling really you about our lives. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure podcast numbers are going through the roof. Basel is on the border of Germany and France, or Switzerland, and we're currently, our hotel is in Germany, and it's a gorgeous hotel. And we would have stayed in a, I was going to say, my dad would have gone, in a brothel uh, in Germany. <laughs> so we dread. What your dad have said that? No, my dad used to come in and say when my my room was messy. He's like, oh, bloody, look, it's, it's like a brothel. And I'm like, Is that Dad. what he used to say? Yeah, and I'm How like, Dad, I, I, yeah, A, no, you know, no judgment, but Dad, have you been to a brothel? And I think brothels might be quite tidy. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I yeah. also have not been into a brothel, but I would imagine they are not messy places. I reckon they're clean. Yeah. And you want a lot of clean surfaces. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, Rich had some chocolate in his mouth. We're staying in Switzerland, but it's really Germany. And on to Naya's question. question. Hi, Alicia. Um, My fiancé and I are getting married in Seattle next summer, and um, it looks like we're going to have to commit to a venue pretty soon. And I'm trying to make sure that once we do that, there's going to be enough room left in our budget for things that are important to us, like the band and the photographer and the videographer. And... The way that I've been doing this so far is just getting a lot of quotes from a whole bunch of vendors. And I have a giant spreadsheet with like 40 different vendors that I'm comparing. 
And I'm kind of just wondering, is this the best way to do this? Am I wasting all these vendors' time? Because I'm really dreading, you know, saying no thank you to all but one of the people that I'm talking to in each category. Um, but also sort of how do I um, figure out what the real price range is, you know, to make sure that we have enough money left over um, later on? Um Sorry if this has already been answered. I love your podcast. I've just started listening to it though. Um, but, um, thank you so much for everything. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Now, here's our thoughts. The idea that you are getting all these quotes and, and making, you know, canvassing the industry to figure out what you want is great. I just want to say to people who are at this stage, sometimes it's better. And I love that you're organized and you've got the spreadsheet, but sometimes it's better to do five emails to a vendor or lots of vendors in a category, leave it, get a good idea of the Hang price. On, do you mean five emails to one vendor or one email to five vendors? Thank you for that update. I, <laughs> I think it's good if you've got five photographers, separate photographers that you would like to contact, and even though you might have a list of 50 photographers, I always like to advise that you just email five different vendors in one category, get feedback, add them to the spreadsheet so it doesn't become overwhelming because I think when you start to get into the 20s and 30s, it can be pretty confusing. Too much. It can be too much. And also I feel like... There's a technical term. It's like something choice. Like when... When you have a choice of three or four or five, it's much easier to make a choice than if you have a choice of 30. Right. There's a technical, like it's a cycle. Do you want to Google that shit while we're talking? Let me Google it now. The other one is analysis paralysis. Well, it's true. Analysis paralysis is a great way to describe this because I know if we're looking at, you know, I go on hotels.com and I look at all these bloody hotels if we're booking a weekend away. And sometimes I'm just like, I have no, I just want, I just just give me four hotels and let me choose between four, not four hundred and twenty hotels, because they all start to look the same. And you like, you, then you're looking, going, do what sort of floor do we flooring do we want in our hotel? It's like no one gives a shit. You'll never notice. You're still looking it up. The paradox of choice, right? I don't know if that's quite what I was after. Oh, this was a book. Someone else wrote to us about this. Yeah, yeah. Right. You keep clicking. I'll keep going. So now I think that it's important to remember if if you can go through your spreadsheet and really look, get a top five, stop contacting people now if you think you might have the right people on your list. And I would say get a top five and then do a bit of a pros and cons of what these vendors bring you. And that includes their availability, pricing, if you like their work over other people's work. And then think about you know, the right decision for you. Yes, Richard. Just had some research come in. <laughs> Overchoice, I'm, I'm just going to read directly from what... All right, we'll make it found, sound interesting. Google themselves. Overchoice or cho- choice overload is a cognitive process in which people have a difficult time making a decision when faced with many options. Right. The term was first introduced by the well-known, we all know Alvin Toffler, old Toffles. Oh, I love Toffee. Toffler, not Toffee. Yeah, but if I was his mate, I'd call him Toffee. Why? His name is Toffler. Move on. Call him Toffles. In his 1970 book, Future Shock. Thank you, Richard. The other question that you mentioned there is the idea that you might be letting people down. And I think that it's very kind of you to think that. But if 
vendors, I think, will, listening will be able to say that they probably get a bunch of inquiries that never write back and don't have matters anyway, let alone that uh, that you do have a lot of people writing and asking and that, you know, not everyone's for everyone. So I don't think anyone would take it personally. The only way that I suppose this could come into play is if you have booked someone and then you find someone else and it becomes a bit of a a situation where they, they've booked the day off for you or whatever. But you haven't done that, so don't worry about it. Magic April says, who cares? <laughs> So, Naya, I think you're doing really well. Well done for you for being that organised and also having the list and making sure that you're keeping track of everything. And also, don't feel guilt. Don't worry about it. That's the business. We also love you. Hi, Alicia. Big shout out from Australia here. I love what you're doing. I think your podcast absolutely is amazing and you're an absolutely top bird. So keep up the good work. Um, I had your guest question uh, regarding family that I wanted to ask. I've been uh, listening to a few of the podcasts and just haven't been able to quite figure out the right answer to it. Um, basically, my grandfather uh, left my grandmother when my mum was super duper young. However, he's now back in our lives. Um, and with him, he has a partner uh, that is been with him for before I was even born. Uh, but basically, she's a bitch. Um, none of us like her, uh, basically the entire family, um, but we love him. Um, so what's the go, do you think? You know, is it obviously it would be an obligatory thing, but can you invite your grandfather without inviting his partner? Like, can you actually do that, um, you know, without upsetting a whole lot of, not even a whole lot of people, it would mainly just be him, you know, and we respect him and love him, but we just don't want her there. You know, we just don't want anything to do with her, really. Oh, anyway, um, just wanted to uh, ask you, see what you think, and uh, hopefully uh, get an answer to this uh, here question. Anyway, um, hope uh, London's going well, and I look forward to hearing more and more about you. Kim, oh my God, Kim, we love you. Kim's a top bird. You're a top bird, Kim. Thank you so much, and uh, gee, it's nice to hear an Aussie accent. It's truth too, right, mate? Yeah, it was great. Kim, you made us laugh. Like we had to have a bit of a giggle when you <laughs> when you said she's, she's a, a bitch. bitch. <laughs> that was so Aussie and also just straight to the point, which is what we love and which is why I think Bride Chiller works because Australians, we've got a good knack at just getting to the point, getting shit done, making it happen. Bloody top job. Good question about grandfather's bitchy partner. This is tricky and I sometimes think if people are really disliked and, you know, obviously there's some animosity with this woman because she's a bitch, uh, with the family, that can suck. Do you think grandfather – these are the questions I would ask you if you were on the other end of the line. You can answer just while listening to the show and get back to me, but here's the hypothetical questions. Do you think your grandfather would be deeply offended if she wasn't invited? Would he not attend? Do you think – that she has the capacity to attend the wedding without being a bitch or getting in your way too much. Because sometimes in these situations, I've advised before, and I think Rich has also done this on Q&A, when you go, if someone comes that you really don't like, but they're able to sort of, you know, get back into the background a little bit and not bother you too much and cause a problem, sometimes... The obligation of inviting them can be overridden by just going, it's easier just to sit them there. Grandfather's happy. 
He's got his bitchy lady with him. They can have a nice time, whatever. But if she really makes you feel awful and by not inviting her, it's not going to shit stir the family too much, then I say, you know, go with your gut on this one and don't invite her. But it is tricky when, you know, there's obviously those vibes with the family. You don't want to cause issues and you don't want to have to be dealing with issues on your wedding day. But sometimes old folks lash out and can be a bit weird when their bitchy partners aren't invited. I want to go back to the homophobic racist question. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, this is a tricky one, but I think uh, you should probably ask yourself, would your grandfather be happier if he, if she was there or not? Yeah. Sometimes if you sit them fur- further enough. Am I having a stroke? What is going on? It's all the chocolate. Sometimes if you sit them far enough away from, you know, the core members of the family that really don't like her, you might be able to get away with it. Look, we don't want to advise you to invite people that you don't like, but also I suppose there's an element of family harmony that is sometimes nicer to maintain and just putting up with one rando person um, than, you know, stirring the pot and causing trouble, especially if it is a little bit tumultuous, the history with your grandfather. That's my thoughts. Yeah. Good one. I concur. Kim, thank you. We want to thank everyone who has sent a voice message in. I have a big, fabulous backlog of voice messages and uh, written questions. So I'm going to do a Q&A every month from now on. How do we feel about that? Why are you saying we? Just wanted your feedback. Me and the Magic April. Are we now a we? Shake it. Shake it. Signs look good. I like that you, Rich, does not have a magic eight ball. <laughs> but for ruining, the, you are ruining the magic. Of for the, the magic purposes eight. of podcasting, Rich just shook his hand <laughs> like he had, had a magic eight ball and then looked at his hand yeah. for the answer that was already in your head. Signs point to yes. We would like to do... You can go online and get one. Okay, well, you... Should you I do that now? Yep, there you go. Great. That'll be another bit of tat in our house that we don't need. No, we, in, you don't need an actual... Physical one. There's like an online magic eight ball. Oh, there it is. Okay, great. Here we go. Should people purchase a oh, you're writing bride chiller pack? I hope this doesn't backfire on us. Click Question here. Mark. Yep. Click here to ask me. Better not tell you now. Let's oh, just fuck off. Fuck off. Magic <laughs> eight ball. Shall I ask again? Ask it again. All right. Click here to ask ask me. Outlook Outlook good. good. If you would like to do what the Magic 8-Ball says and purchase a Bride Chiller pack, which includes the Bride Chiller Survival Guide, Bride Chiller Field Guide, and the Happy Days Tote Bag, they are the books that I wrote myself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I wrote them, and uh, they're fun, they're sassy, and I'm very appreciative of all of your fabulous five-star reviews. We have had some wonderful reviews and we're very grateful and uh, just love reading them. So thank you. If you would like to purchase your pack, special code word is... Just go to 8 Oh, fuck <laughs> off. Stop promoting other people's <laughs> shit. This is a shambles of an episode. If you would like to purchase your pack, all you need to do is use the special code word... Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. That and you... F- U- C- K- I- T- and you get 15% off. <laughs> I was like, well, you get the books. I mean, that's what you get. 
You get 15% off. So uh, all you need to do is visit bridechillerstore.com. A special reminder, if you would like to leave me a voice message, you can simply visit thebridechiller.com and follow the prompts to leave a message or send me an email. We do like voice messages. We really like, we like to hear your voices, your accents. We like to uh, just connect with you as people. So thank you. And, and Almost a little creepy again. Almost. You married me. That's what Magic 8-Ball did it, really. Until next week, thanks for putting up with our shit and... Signs point to yes. Happy days. You silly Billy. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place the cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right? Outlook good. Uh. I am so proud to present the Bride Chiller Survival Guide, our very own wedding planning guide that is available now at bridechillerstore.com. From dealing with wedding donors, that's parents who give you money, to ditching obligation guests and meaningless details. So long, garters and bloody gift bags. The Bridechiller Survival Guide will free you of weird stress and the quest for perfection, which, by the way, doesn't exist. Visit bridechillerstore.com to grab your copy and the companion book, The Bridechiller Field Guide. Happy days.